happy Monday to you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today because today we are hearing from Pastor Tom Wilson as we wrap up our series, Just Mary. And if this is your first time hearing about Reclamation Church, I'd invite you to visit our website at re.church. That being said, let's listen in. There it is. Uh, hey guys, how's everybody doing this morning? All right, how about you at home? Y'all doing good this morning? I hope so. Uh, listen, my name is Tom Wilson. I have the unique privilege of being able to lead this church, uh, not only as a senior pastor, but just in so many different forms and shapes as we go through a pandemic together. And we are thrilled that you guys are be here with us. And I know for those who are at home, it's kind of a unique thing for you as well. Um, and I, I hope the sound quality comes over the way it is in the room, because in the room, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful sound. And when you're watching from home for so long, you miss that live worship. But we also know that our God is uh, omnipresent, and He is with you as well. And I have no doubt you're experiencing worship on your own. In fact, I had the idea in the back, and I want to challenge those at home to do something for me, because I'm a dork, and I, I would love to see this. So I am going to take a selfie with you guys in the background. Uh, heads up, it's going to be lame, because you look like a little bitty Coke bottle. Um, but it's okay. So I'm going to take a selfie. Hey, Everybody in the background, just put your hands up and wave and just, just do whatever you want to do back there. Uh, okay, so uh, ready and smile. Beautiful. Okay, now I want you guys at home to do me a favor. Take a selfie with me because I'm here for the next half hour up to an hour and a half. And you could just use your TV in the background, take a selfie. Uh, let me know when and I'll smile correctly. And then you can just you superimpose me in there, right? Uh, I told you I'm a big dork, but... Hey, uh, are you guys loving this time of year? I love this time of year. Yeah, Let's give a round of applause to fall, right? Um, here, here's why I love fall. For one, it's boots and jeans weather, right? I, I am not one of those men who can wear boots and jeans in the summer. My, my dad was, crazy enough. He would wear boots and jeans 104 outside, and I'm just not that guy. But I love this time of year. Uh, well, listen, we are actually wrapping up a series today, and we've been calling it Just Married, and we've had a little fun with words, this idea, you know, are you just married or are you just kind of, you know, legally bound and married? Uh, we've kind of gone all over the place with this series. We started out in week one talking about the idea of having a Christ-centered relationship, and it's important that we understand that's not just marriage. That's everybody. We are called to have a Christ-centered life, uh, Christ-centered parenting, Christ-centered job, Christ-centered home. We are called to have Christ at the center, and if you're married, it absolutely only makes sense to have Christ at the center of your marriage. Uh, week two, we talked about covenant. What is a covenant relationship? A covenant relationship is really going before the one true God and saying, I promise this for the rest of my life. This is not, you know, Collin County, state of Texas. We No, I get that. You, you get a tax write-off, but more than that, it's a covenant before you and your spouse and the holy living God. Last week, we talked about the fact that we are in spiritual warfare, and we have to understand that there is an enemy out there, and he wants to devour us. And so we, we learned some, some tools on how we can overcome that. Today, I want to talk about the reason people get married. And the, the, the answers are all over the place. We get married for so many different reasons. In fact, lucky for us, 
I don't know if you guys know this, the internet has all the answers. And so uh, I checked out Google, and it, sure enough, it had so many. Now, th these are funny. I want to show them to you. Uh, but these are actual reasons why people get married. So if you would watch the screen, watch your screen at home. The first one is I think people get married, honestly, for, for fun, right? Uh, this is great. This is a note this guy finds on his, on his door. Husband, welcome home. I'm hiding in the house with a Nerf gun. Here is the other one. The loser cooks dinner tonight. May the odds be ever in your favor. That's a fun marriage, right? You look at that and go, yeah, I, I could be a part of that. That's pretty cool, right? And people think, well, I want to have fun. So therefore, I'm going to find someone to have fun with, and therefore, you get married. Okay, next one. This idea that we're going to be together forever. You've got to love that. This defines the term relationship goals. You, you've got this sweet couple, and, and who knows, they may be in their 70s or 80s, and they're going to just conquer the world at 0.2 miles per hour, right? They're wherever they've got to go. They're going to go. And people don't want to be alone. And so, therefore, we, we like, I want to find someone to spend the rest of my life with. And, you know, they'll take care of me. I take care of them. And we're going to just kind of, you know, be together. That, that's a legitimate reason why people get married. This next one is we want to be safe. We want to feel safe. This poor guy, if lost, returned to Jan. I am Jan, right? You, you got to appreciate that, right? I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, we all get in those different seasons of life where our mental capacities aren't quite where they used to be. And this poor guy, when he gets lost, somebody help him find Jan, right? And they're having a little fun with that. But, but, but let's be honest. I mean, those who may not be married, and I'm not trying to, you know, kick you while you're here and not married, but, but you may be thinking those questions like, well, when I get older, what happens, right? And I get that. That's a legitimate real fear. Let's, back, let's talk about this one. This, to me, is probably the biggest reason people get married. I should say misconception. Only relationship goal I want is to be with someone, look at this, who makes me happy and will do anything to keep it that way. I don't know about you, but that's pretty, that's saying a lot, is it not? Your goal in life is to make me happy and you will do anything to keep me happy. Is that pressure on anybody else who's married? Good gosh, whatever it takes to keep you happy? And the truth is, people are looking for that, right? I mean, we want that, oh, that's why I'm getting married, because I feel the butterflies in my tummy, and I feel that excitement, and we're listening to love songs, and every word, like, that's what they mean in that song. I finally get it. And we're like, ah, oh, we want that. The problem is, what we're going to learn today is marriage is not based on happiness, and that's a big problem because people think it is. And so they think, well, if I'm going to get happy, then sure, that's going to. If you're taking notes this morning, and I want to encourage you guys, if you're online, as you're watching the screen, right to the right, I guess this way, um, is, a, is a link. You can click it. It opens up the document right there for the sermon notes. And those who are in the room, you guys are welcome to do the same thing. Um, summer notes are online. Um, and I make them every week, so it would be great to know if anybody uses those things. If not, I'm going to stop making them because it takes a whole lot of time. <clears throat> okay, so uh, biblical principle number one, and I hope you guys understand this. A Christ-centered marriage is grounded in unity, not happiness. Now, now, please hear me. Happiness is absolutely a byproduct of unity. And yes, you can have happiness in, in a Christ-centered relationship. But if we could just be honest, there are times you're not going to be happy in a marriage. You know, when you are burying one of your parents, 
may have a hard time in your marriage, may not be happy, right? When you're going through a pandemic, uh, when you're fighting cancer, when you're going through hardships and trials, when you're unemployed and when you're looking for a job, there are seasons in life where it's, it's just not going to be happy. But what we learn in Scripture is, is that a true Christ-centered marriage is based in unity, not in happiness. In fact, um, the problem we learned last week is, is God calls us to be unified, but, but the spiritual enemy we talked about, his name is the devil, he wants to do everything he can to basically tear down what God wants to bring together. And so Scripture says that we are to come together and be unified in our relationships, and Satan says, but I want to destroy everything I can. Now, here's why this matters so much to us, is if you are here this morning, if you're watching online this morning, if you're listening on our podcast this morning, if I don't know where, if you can get this message anyway, I hope this can come over to you. You matter to Jesus. You matter. And I don't just mean he's on some list somewhere, oh yeah, you know, there's that. No, no, he adores you. He loves you. He's passionately on fire for you to a point where he says, I will go to the cross and I will die for them. And because of that, you have this massive target on your chest. And because you matter to Jesus, unfortunately, you matter to Satan. And he hates you. And he hates your family. And he hates your marriage. And he wants to destroy it. God unifies, Satan divides. In fact, it's interesting, we, we learned this also last week, that Satan likes to play a little dirty. Um, in fact, I want to share with you guys a story that you guys have all heard before, uh, Adam and Eve. If you're wondering what book of the Bible that is, you are really new to church, because um, pretty much most people know what's found in the book of Genesis, the very first thing ever, right? I mean, this is, you got the you got the earth, you got the mountains, you got the trees, and then, whoa, there's Adam and there's Eve, and then, you know, even people that, well, they're naked, and I don't know the whole story, but well, let's look at the story together. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, if you guys want to open up your book, your Bible there. It will be on the screen, um, but it's just great to get into the Word of God, and I want to share with you guys kind of some context, what's going on here. You've got Adam, you got Eve, and, and they're very content right now in their lives. I mean, they, they've been given a mission from God, so they are on fire, they're doing what they're called to do, and, and they're content, they're humble, they're happy, they're fulfilled, they're not wondering, they're just kind of just even-killed, and they're doing great. And by the way, they're in love, and they're in paradise, and they're naked, so things are really going pretty well for them, right? And then look at this in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then look at this, verse 28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. It's important to understand that God is calling them to be unified. In fact, if you look at uh, Genesis 2, 24, if you've ever been married before, if you've gone through a marriage ceremony in the audience, you've probably heard this verse before. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two, here's the word, are united into one. That word united, it literally means becoming one being. It means becoming one flesh, some translations say. Again, God is calling us to be united, and what does Satan want to do? He wants to divide us in our relationships. So it's interesting that this story of Adam and Eve, what's going on is we know Satan fights dirty, and so the first thing he does is he kind of peels Eve off to the side and starts kind of talking to her and saying, is that, is that really what God said? 
I mean, here's this tree, all this wonderful fruit. I mean, maybe just, uh, you know. And, and it's interesting. The very first thing Satan does is he begins to battle and contradict God's word. And Eve, unfortunately, she just falls right into it. And she takes a bite of this fruit. Her eyes are opened. And she apparently loved the taste of the fruit because she ran straight to Adam and said, Honey, 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 husband, you got to try this. And unfortunately, Adam bites down on it. He eats. And what we know is sin enters the world. And it's important to understand, again, God is calling us to unify. What does sin do? Sin always, always divides. Sin will always bring separation. And so all of a sudden, sin enters the world and everything begins to change. And it's funny, Adam, he begins to blame two individuals. He blames Eve and he blames God. Now check this out, Genesis 3.12. The man says, here's what he says. "Uh, The woman you put here with me. This is how you know, chances are Adam may have been a teenager, right? Just a chance. It's your fault, really, Dad. You put her here, right? I don't know if he's a teenager or not, but, you know. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And then look at verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Again, he likes to fight dirty. And then you watch this progression. Adam blames God. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. For those at home, there was crazy laughter. You you probably can't. The microphone's not quite that good to pick it up. The two become one flesh, and what God unites, the devil schemes to separate and create division in. Last week, we talked about what God brings together. The devil wants to divide. In fact, in any biblical relationship, the key is going to be unity. If you look at Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it's an interesting verse. Amos asks this question, can two people walk together without agreeing on direction? And so let's say my wife and I tonight decide we want to go for a walk in the cool breeze of the fall in October, and we get in the middle of the road, and she goes, I'm going to go right, and I say, I'm going to go left. Well, we are no longer walking together. Right? I mean, you have to have the same direction, the same vision. In fact, that word division is really interesting. If you just divide it, division, die, it literally means plural, it means two, and vision means mission, it means direction. So just at the core, division means more than one direction, more than one purpose, more than one mission. And Scripture is crystal clear. In fact, if you go to Proverbs, here's what it says, uh, where there is no vision, you've heard this before, the people perish. And you can loosely apply that to marriage, right? I mean, if you're going different directions, how can there be unity in that? And there must be direction, and there must be purpose, and there must be, you know, coming together. And one of the greatest tragedies that we see in our culture, and we see it a lot today in our culture, is you see marriages that that have no purpose, and they have no mission, and they have no direction. And therefore, what you end up with a lot of times is two people who are just kind of coexisting. They're just going through life together, and, and... I guess we just do this until we both die. And that's, that's a lot of marriages. And that's sad. Well, there are actually beautiful, beautiful examples of, of marriages and scripts that we can pull so many things from. 
I want to share an example of a uh, married couple this morning with you guys. And there's a good chance you've never even heard of this married couple. It's an incredible married couple that we see in Scripture. They're only mentioned six times. And this is one of my favorite couples. It's not Adam and Eve. It's, it's not Mary and Joseph. It's not Solomon, oh, by the way, and his 700 wives and 300 concubines. Uh, this is the, the smartest guy who ever lived. And somehow he decides, I'd like to be able to argue with 700 wives. I don't get it either, right? But he is the smartest guy who ever lived. It's, it's not them. Um, and so the scripture we're going to talk about is actually in the book of Romans, Romans 16. And I mentioned, I, now it's important that we understand this. There are six different times that this couple is married, or, excuse, or mentioned, <clears throat> and of the six, four times the wife is mentioned first. Two times the husband is mentioned first. And you may say, well, why does that matter? Well, it, it does matter, especially in their culture, because if she's mentioned first, that means she's respected. That means she's probably a leader, and let's just say in that ministry context. That means she's absolutely, I'll just put it this way, she's getting her hands dirty in what ministry is. She is part of this mission, okay? It's not like, you know, here's him doing his thing and she's kind of in the wind. No, no, she's in deep doing this stuff. She's mentioned four out of the six times, miss it first. And so this couple is a Christ-centered marriage, and they absolutely are, are mission-driven the couple's name, by the way, is Priscilla and Aquila. Romans 16, 3 through 5 gives us incredible insight of what this marriage looks like. Um, this is Paul speaking, and it's a letter that he wrote. And he says, he says, give my greetings, Paul says, to Priscilla and Aquila. Look what he says, my co-workers in ministry. That to me is incredible. If the Apostle Paul calls you a co-worker in ministry, you're doing something right right? Co-workers in ministry of, the, of Christ Jesus. Now look what he says. In fact, they, not one, they plural, together once risked their lives for me. Now we know to be a Christ follower at this time in history what was uh, pretty sketchy. And there's a good chance you're going to be persecuted, you could be arrested, you could be tortured, you could be beaten, you could be kidnapped, you could just fall off the face of the earth and no one ever hears from you again. That's happening to Paul all the time, by the way, going through persecution. And Priscilla and Aquila, they risked their life to save Paul. And then here's what he says, I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. And then as a senior pastor, I love this last phrase. Look at this. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. They're small group leaders. They're leading a life group in their home. That's Priscilla and Aquila. So what do we know about them? Uh, they supported Paul's ministry. We also know they risked their lives. We know that they're deep in the ministry. They're getting their hands dirty. And we also know that they led a small group. So that's incredibly powerful. Um, now, this is key. And I believe this with everything in me. And so if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, I really encourage you to take this to heart. God wants to unite you together to do something significant in his glory. And so please hear me. You have Priscilla, you have Aquila. They come together. They are working together doing powerful things for God and the kingdom of God. And he is using them and the spirit inside of them, unifying, coming together, and God's working through them in powerful ways. That's beautiful. And here's what we know about having a mission and being mission-geared uh, mission and mission-focused is that unifies our relationships, and it's incredible. Now, as I'm in the back of the room and I'm worshiping, I start looking around the room here, and I can only imagine online is probably the same. There's about half 
in this room that are married and that are not married. Maybe you're single, maybe you're widowed, maybe you're single again, maybe you've never been married, but you hope to get married. I, I don't know what your category is. But if you just heard that statement, there's a good chance you're like, well, crap, I'm out. God wants to bring these two together to go, yeah, conquer the world for Jesus. And I don't have that other half. So what about me? Okay, th this is a, a marriage series that's not like most marriage series because a lot of times we do a marriage series. And, and it's, if you don't know this, our attendance actually drops a lot during marriage series. Because a lot of single people say, oh, I, it, doesn't even, it doesn't involve me at all, and so I'm going to stay at home for those four weeks or whatever it might be. Listen, it's important. We talked about this in week number one. Your life is not completed when you find another person to be married to. Right? That whole phrase, you complete me. No, Jesus completes you. You can be married and have a great relationship, and if you don't have Jesus, you're not complete. And so if you're here this morning and you're single and you say, oh, no, no, don't check out on me because this involves you too. God can work through a married couple just as good as he can work through a single person. By the way, the Apostle Paul wasn't married, right? And so, listen, God honors marriages. God honors singles. It's okay, and God wants to work through you. Now, I do want to share some advice to you. If you're here this morning and you say, but I would like to be married someday, and maybe that's in your future, and that's one of your goals. There's actually a quote from Andy Stanley, who's just an incredible preacher and teacher um, and author and writer, and I'm sure he does other things, but he's a great guy. Um, there's a quote that I want to read from him that I, I really pray it speaks to you, speaks to my kids. I mean, it speaks to anybody who's interested. Look at this. Uh, if you're not married and you hope to be married one day, he's talking about building this foundation. Here's what he says. Become the person that you're looking for is looking for. So here's what a lot of people do. <clears throat> they think, hey, someday I want to have that great Christian, God-centered, Jesus, Holy Spirit-filled marriage. I want that. It's going to be incredible. But until I find that person, eh, I'm going to just do whatever I want to do. And then when I find that person, I'm going to kind of get my stuff together, and then I'm going to start getting involved in church and getting into the scriptures, and I'm going to start serving Jesus, and I'm going to start worshiping, and that's going to be incredible. Here's the problem. If that person that you're looking for is up here and they're already on fire for Jesus and you're down here just doing your own thing, there's a good chance they're going to walk right past you because they're not interested in this. And so what he says is become the person that you're looking for is looking for. In other words, you start doing it now because you attract that to your life. Don't check out and say, well, I don't have a ring yet. I haven't found the right person yet, so I'm going to do my own thing. No, no, no. You start doing those disciplines now. You start serving and honoring God now because God will bless you and he will absolutely work through you. So, again, God wants to unite you together to do something significant for his glory. And in a marriage, you know, it's powerful because we can serve Jesus together um, better than we can apart. And it only makes sense, you know. Uh, in my personal marriage, my, my wife and I, um, we've shared before very openly, we have completely different personalities. We have completely different giftedness. And we used to look at that as like a, wow, really? It's kind of, we are really polar opposites. And, and by God's ordained, I'm telling you, he gave us this thought of, you know what? I'm going to use that. Where one is weak, one is strong. And where one is you know, passionate, one is not. And where one is you know, really gifted in this, one may not be. 
And if anything, it just kind of makes us more whole. And so absolutely, God can work better through us together because we're coming together and we are unified to get that done. So in a marriage, um, it's important to understand that God wants to have a mission for you, right? And so does this mean, well, you guys got to go out and become youth sponsors? I don't know, maybe. Does this mean, hey, you know, husband and wife teams, we're going to start sanitizing at the door because we have teams for that? Well, maybe. But it goes beyond that, right? I think sometimes we, we look at serving God as in the context of these, these walls of a church building, and God never meant that. When he's talking about serving and kingdom work, it, it's going way out. It goes way beyond just the property of Reclamation Church. And so I, I mentioned earlier that this is going to be, you know, uh, coming together and doing things. And let me just tell you, as a married couple, to be mission-driven, to be in it, to win it, it, it takes work. It absolutely takes work. It's not going to happen by accident. In fact, here's an interesting question that I want to raise to you guys, and that is this. What is your mission? What is your mission? So if you're together and you're married and you've asked the question, what would the answer be? Hey, hey, what is our mission? What are we trying to accomplish for God? And, and again, if you're single, don't, don't cop out on me. You're in that too. What is your mission? Now, here's, here's what I don't want to hear, and please hear me. Here's the ultimate cop-out. Well, I, I guess it's to, you know, love people and then to go to church and then, you know, Jesus. Great. But what is your mission? What does he want to do uniquely through you? What does he want to accomplish through your relationship, accomplish through your life? What are you here on earth to do? Because if we are Christ followers, we have to understand that the moment you gave your life to Jesus and you were filled with the Holy Spirit, Something switched. Something completely changed. Your priorities are gone. Your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your goals, they really should be gone. And the appropriate answer is, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, who should I marry? Jesus, what should my career be? Jesus, where should I go to college? All of these questions, if he's in charge, he's in charge. And so the question is, what mission has he given to you? Now, the way you find out what that mission is, it may sound kind of silly, but there are two things that really unify us together as a culture, and it unifies us as individuals. Dallas Cowboys, right? No, no. But there are two things that unify people, and it's really staggering to watch. I'll give you a hint. It's happening right now in our culture. There are two things happening right now in our culture that simultaneously are unifying people and creating division. Isn't that crazy? I'll give you a hint. Hate and love. People come together for hating something or hating someone, and they also come together for loving somebody or loving someone or something, right? So having a common enemy and we're not naming any names here, so keep it quiet, right? Or having a common mission. These unify us. You can word it this way. There's a problem. When there's a problem, people can unify. When there's a solution, people can unify. And so what we should be asking ourselves is, okay, in our marriage, what righteously do you love? Right? What unique callings might you have in your marriage? Right? What unique giftedness do you have in your marriage or in your individual life if you're single? And then ask another question. What 
kind of righteously ticks you off. And you see injustices in the world, and you know that that breaks the heart of God. And because of that, that breaks your heart. And you think, I, 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 can't, I can't not do something. I've got to do something because that hurts God. That hurts me, right? We come together and we unify in times when we hate and when we love, when we have a, a problem and we have a solution, when we have a common enemy and we have a common mission, right? God has joined you together to make a difference in this world. And we cannot assume that God allowed two individuals. Let me, let me rephrase that. We cannot assume that God is going to bring together two Christ followers, okay? There are a lot of marriages in this world that don't really stand for anything. They really are all about the Dallas Cowboys, right? They really all about we're going to get little Johnny to t-ball practice. They really all about we just have a good time. We party every weekend. That's okay. But if you take Christ followers, what we have to understand is God brought us together for a purpose. He wants to unify us, and he wants to work through us and use us. Why? What's that mission? Okay, so as an example, maybe in the context of your, your marriage, husband and wife, you, you both love to cook. You both love to serve. That's a passion for you. You love that. So there's the love. And you know what you don't like? You hate it when people don't have that. And they don't have food. And they don't have. And so you kind of put two and two together and you think, you know what, when someone comes home and they just had a child or they spent two weeks in the hospital, last thing they want to do is cook. And so you think, wait a minute, that's a gift and that's a need. I can bring that together in this holy, devout, incredible mission, and that's powerful. If you've been on the receiving end of receiving a meal when, when you have not had a good time, it is such an incredible blessing saying, oh my gosh, we're not having Jack in the box again, right? Wow, that's great. Thank you for whatever. That, that, that's coming together of a need and a desire. Okay, what about this one? Maybe you're somebody uh, that you know what it feels like to be the new kid in school. And so when you come to church and you see a new person who's sitting by themselves and, and they're looking around and they're overwhelmed and no one's talking to them, you see that need and then inside of you, there's this kind of hospitality thing. You're like, I, I, I have no problem talking to people. And, I, and so you make a point, and you know, today's culture is a little weird, so you, you make a point to, to go within six feet of them and, and say hello and make them feel welcome, right? But then you go beyond that. Hey, can I, can I, I'd love to take you to lunch. Hey, can I, can I help you out in anything I can? can I, and you just, you're going out of your way to make them feel welcome. Uh, what about this one? Maybe you used to be up to your ears in financial debt. And because of that, you know exactly what it feels like to be trapped and to not be able to, to make it and to be paycheck to paycheck. And what God has done through you is because of your faithfulness, because of your stewardship, God has brought you out of this bondage. And you're like, man, that feels great. And now you have this desire that you want to help other people. And you want to be able to help them. Hey, let me just kind of share my testimony. And maybe I could steer you towards financial peace. And I could help you understand what God wants to do through you. And God's going to use that unique testimony that you had to help somebody else. Uh, what about this one? Um, maybe you both love kids. That's where that love is. You adore and you love kids. You believe in family. But then the hate, you see so many kids who don't have a great home life. Right? You, you see so many kids who, who are at home where they don't have a home, where they don't have parents. And so maybe God works through your marriage 
we're going to start fostering. We have the heart of adoption in our life, right? That, that's a unique mission completely to your marriage, right? Um, what are you called to do together? What are you called to do individually? What is your unique mission? And so here's a biblical principle, and I hope you take this to heart. You're not just together to be happy. You're not. You're together to make a difference, right? Here's your mission, should you choose to accept it. And as I said, it's, it's not going to be easy. If it was easy, it would just be happening organically, and it's not. We, we have to understand that we are created for something different what is God going to accomplish through you? And so what I'm not saying is go out and start a 501c, you know, uh, create a nonprofit. If that's in your future, great. If not, just understand. And what I want to do is I want to actually read um, some examples of married couples that we have uh, in our church. And I'm not going to name names, okay? <clears throat> I don't want to single anybody out. Uh, you may put two and two together, figure out who some people are, but I just want you to understand this is happening in our church because we have husband and wife teams all over Reclamation Church who kind of get it, who understand that our marriage is stronger when we have a mission to accomplish together. And so I'll give an example. We have a, a couple that absolutely adores teenagers. They have this love for them. And what they hate is they understand that the vast majority of teens today are, are not going to hear the love of Jesus they're not going to hear that at home. And so they have devoted their lives, listen to this, for almost two decades in this church to be a part of our student ministry. That's a common mission that unifies. Another couple that learned the hard way, uh, devastating financial debt. Um, they, they used that. They got out of their debt. And now they understand just how much of a trap that it is that Satan, remember last week, that little trinket that I waved back and forth? Satan goes, here's that credit card. Come on, come on, come on. And he knows that if he can take your family and cripple it financially, that is the number one cause for divorce and instantly division. God wants to unify. Satan goes, divides, Right? And so they devoted their lives to helping people to overcome that. Uh, another couple, <laughs> this is actually a lot of couples, they just can't sit still. And so anytime we have a need and we have something that needs to happen, they're like, I'll do it. And we're like, that's great, but we need more people. No, no, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And it's like this, they're just servants to the core. And they get the mission of the church and they get the mission of Reclamation Church, which to embrace those who've given up on church, they can discover Jesus Christ. And I love the attitude they don't come to church to attend church. They are the church. It's not a matter of, hey, I'm on a rotation every three weeks. No, no, when you get here, you always serve. That's what you do. You're the church. The church serves. And so they understand that. And again, that, that mission unifies and strengthens their marriage. Uh, another couple, they absolutely hate it when the church doesn't have what it needs to accomplish the mission. Now, this is, this is unique, but I want you to understand this. This happens all the time. We are not a well-off church. You guys know this. I mean, we're a small church. We, you know, God's blessing us, and we're, we're holding our own, and even in the midst of this chaotic culture and pandemic and all the things going on. I mean, it, we're, we're doing okay, but we can't just go out and do certain things because financially we can't do it. We have couples that understand that the way they've been blessed financially is for a purpose, and the money they have in their bank is not theirs. It's God's. And so when they see a need for something to happen, something that needs to take place to accomplish the mission, they just go get it. 
And that happens all the time. This is a couple that's come together, and what they are unified for a same common mission. And it strengthens their marriage. Uh, thinking outside of the walls, um, we have a couple um, who goes out of their way to organize meals and supplies for those who are homeless. We don't pump this at all as a church. We, we don't say, hey, we're going to. They just do it organically because they are making a point to be driven in that. Other couples understand the importance of community. Right? That's the love. We know that community is so important. What they hate is, is that's not happening in today's world. And so they say, you know what, I'm going to open my home. I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to be a small group leader. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, it's a burden. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's it's going to be frustrating. It's a lot of work. But you know what? I understand. And that mission brings them together. Uh, I have other couples, and I love this. Even in their senior years, they, they can't do what they used to do. You know, their bodies are breaking down. Their, their spirit is willing. Their flesh is just, it's just, it's just wearing out. Um, but those same couples, they come to me and tell me flat out, listen, if there are kids that need to go to church camp or if there are teenagers who need to go to, to, to Christ and youth conferences and they can't afford it and they can't raise money, you let me know and I will take care of that. that that's their own personal little mission. And that mission strengthens their marriages. We have couples who come from failed marriages, and they're very, uh, very upfront about that. And they're not, they're not ashamed of that. They own that. I, I made some mistakes. They made some mistakes. And here it is, right? And because of that, they have this desire and this love that they want to help new married people. Don't make the same mistakes we made. And therefore, they're willing to, to shepherd them and mentor them and help them understand. Uh, we have another couple who... Uh, Hates injustice. Um, they, they love God's grace and love God's love. And what they do is they actually use vacation days to go on mission trips. You're like, that sounds crazy. Well, no, that, that's their life. That's their mission. That's their purpose. In fact, we have other couples who are actually being right now professionally trained to go into the mission field. And they would tell you that's, that's our bond. I mean, it's a Christ-centered relationship, but what we're about, we're moving forward. We're out there to spread the gospel. I mean, that, that is a mission moving forward. So the question is, what is your mission? And you can start by asking the question, what are, what are our passions? What are our likes? What are our desires? What, what do we love? And then ask the question, what do we hate? What, what are we just, you know what, that frustrates us. What need is there that we can fix because we understand that this whole thing, this whole kingdom of God thing, I've got a part in it. I don't just go through the motions every day. I understand God wants to work through me to help advance the ball down the field because we're at war here. And what we cannot do as Christ followers is sit and watch. We, we don't need that. Respectfully, we've got plenty of that. What we need are people who are going to get up and get in the game. Because you have your own unique mission, whether you're an individual or you're married. And we see that all throughout Scripture. Um, I mentioned earlier, it's not going to be easy. It, it takes devotion. It takes work. You know, just preparing for this message, I was thinking back to um, uh, my wife and I. And, and one of the things that we had going for us early on is out of the gate, man, we had a mission, right? Um, that happens when you marry a pastor. It's like, oh, here's your mission, right? Um, it just kind of happens, um, in fact, I, I loved, I was thinking about this. This is so cool. Of all of our staff right now, and we, guys, we've got a big staff, if you haven't seen that. We, we are being so blessed right now. Um, those who are married, those couples are in it together. 
they are in it together. They understand the mission of ministry. And those who are not married, they also get it. I mean, we are driven by that. Um, but, but Sean and I, when we first got married, we uh, were in youth ministry. And I say we because you're not a you're not really on the sidelines if you're married to a pastor, especially in youth ministry. And I was so blessed that my wife, from the moment the ring went on her finger, she's like, game on, right? She got it. She loved it. She wanted to be involved. She wanted to get her hands dirty. And so we were working at a small church in, in South Irving. Uh, then we moved up here to Plano. And it, it was just, my wife was the, uh, she was the, female sponsor for everything, right? I mean, it's like, well, we're going to go to this. She's going. We're going to go to Colorado. She's going. We're going to go whitewater rafting. She's going. And she was all about it. Excuse me. We were in it together, but it's important that we understand that we didn't lose our identities. We were both unique, right? We're bringing our own things to the the, the, uh, the, the mission. In fact, I, I again, just looking back at memories, I tried to find pictures, and I just ran out of time. So one of the things that we did about this time every year in the fall, now this was, you got to go back I celebrated 19 years this year. You need to go back like 17 years to get to this time. It's a long time ago. And what we would do is every October, I would take all the high school men, and we would go on a thing that we call paintball wars. And we would go to uh, a spot up in the panhandle of Texas. We had like eight acres that was actually converted into a paintball field. And so we slept on the battlefield. I mean, we went to the bathroom out there. There was no luxuries at all. It was like... And, and the guys ate it up, man. And, and what we had is we had camaraderie, we had community, and we just, it, that's not a girl's thing, right? So my wife, here's what her passion was. She loved, and she still does, high school girls. What hurt her is the fact that almost all of them battle self-worth, self-identity. They look at themselves and then tear themselves down, and it's happening more and more in the world. So what she would do, and she, we would go on paintball wars, and the same weekend or the same week, they would go up to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and she called this trip Pampered Like a Princess. Polar opposites of paintball wars, right? And, and, and she just knocked it out of the park. She used her own unique abilities and giftedness, and they would go up there, and they would have uh, you know, the Hot Springs baths and massages and manicures and pedicures. And by the way, she never had a hard time finding additional, additional sponsors to go with her for that one. And she just let these girls know they were special. They were princesses. They were loved, right? They were adored because God loved them. But let me tell you something. That mission, it changed for both of us the moment that we had kids. My full-time sponsor was no longer a full-time sponsor because she was a full-time mom and then some. And her role, even though we were in the mission together, it, it changed, because she now be kind of came support. And, and I would be up here on a Wednesday night, and we called it the zone, our, our Wednesday night, you know, youth group thing. And we'd have 35, 40 kids. And, and she would show up an hour early with both kids in tow and dinner every single week. Because she refused to let our family become the fast food family. So we had a homemade meal every single Wednesday that we sat out there with all the other kids around. And our kids got to be a part of that. The youth kids got to watch that, and she understood that, that the mission was the same, but her role changed a little bit. Let's flash forward a little more about 10 years ago. I'll just tell you, without opening too many cans of worms, this church pretty much fell apart. I mean, there was church drama. There was church splits. It was just it was nasty time in ministry. And so 
I was asked to do what the, the title was lead pastor. Um, you may say, well, what is that? That's exactly what I said too. Well, what is that? Before I sign up to be the lead pastor, what the heck is a lead pastor, right? Um, in a sense, it was you were going to do children's ministry, youth ministry, preach occasionally, and lead the staff. And I'm like, I'll commit to a year. I'll give you one year, and then we've got to make some decisions. But you know what? We really felt that that was the mission God was giving our, our family. And I'll just tell you, I was up here every Saturday. I was up here evenings. It was, it was a hard year. My wife went through that with me. We were unified by that mission. And she was there to make sure that the kids were okay and I was supported. And she, again, it was different, but she was in that mission with us. And then even before we talked about going into be a senior ministry, we, we talked about very detailed, okay, wait a minute. Let's, what does this look like? What does this look like for you? Look like for me? And, and what we committed to together from day one, and I promise, is that we joke now, but, but she wasn't going to come just become the wife, right? Unfortunately, we, we joked about this in our, in our small group last week. That there's the senior pastor, and then there's the wife, right? And that's, we were not going to be that couple. And so what I refused to do was to steal her joy, to steal her, her mission, if you will, and to let her be herself. And we see that today. My wife's mission, if you, if you know my wife at all, is prayer. She loves prayer. She is uniquely wired to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I'm not. I'm not like that. And so I will openly confess to you that my wife prays a whole lot more with other people than your senior pastor does because she just, she's just oozes this. She's on and on and on and on. Um, and so even with that, it, we have the same mission, but you don't lose your identity. Right? So whatever that looks like for you, if God's calling you to go out and work with the homeless or, or to work out with missions or, or to feed or whatever it is, that mission together, I'm telling you, that strengthens and unifies absolutely a marriage. You see that with Aquila and Priscilla. You see that with so many other married couples. When God unifies, it strengthens us, and that is a powerful, powerful place to be. And so, again, you're not just together to be happy. You're not. You are together to make a difference. So the question is, what's your identity in? If you are a Christ follower, he wants to absolutely work through you. So I want to end with just these uh, two points, and I hope you take these to heart, where God wants to unite, understand, remember, write it down. The devil always wants to divide, always. And he is sneaky and he is a little punk, and he absolutely fights dirty. And when you don't think it's going to come, and we mentioned this last week, when you examine your life, when you examine your marriage, where are you most vulnerable? Because that's where he's going to attack. So our job is to shore it up. If it's, a, if it's an addiction, it's getting accountability. If it's something you see, it's getting that out of the, the, your life. Whatever it might be, you've got to do our part to fight fire with fire. And we have been blessed with the Holy Spirit. We've been blessed with the Word of God. We learned last week that any temptation, God tells us we can overcome that, but we've got to fight like crazy. Last thing is, one of the greatest things you can do is have something, have a mission, have a driving force for yourself and for your marriage. We are not created to get up, go to work, make a widget, get some money, go on. That's not our life. We are called to honor and worship God every single day of our life. In fact, I'm excited to share with you guys, we're actually starting a, a new series next week. It's going to be a short two-week series, um, and we're just calling it True Worship. 
Now you may say, well, what is that? What is that? You know, here, here, this is crazy to me. The Bible says that what God desires, now catch me on this, is true worshipers. What does that mean? You ever thought about that? So as you're sitting in the stand earlier and, you, and you're singing, do you qualify? Were you a true worshiper? Now right now you're probably going, oh my gosh, did that, was, I, was I into it? Was I, was I, what? Lots of questions. Lots of questions. What if you don't sing good? What if you can't carry a tune in a bucket like, like you know, some people, like myself, right? What if you're not gifted? What if you can't do that? Again, it's, it's how you define worship. And so we're going to talk about what is worship, who deserves worship, why do we worship, and what does it mean to be a true worshiper? So we're going to kick that off all next week. I highly encourage you guys to be here. It's going to tie beautifully into this because not to steal the thunder from next week, it's important to understand that worship is not just music, and we are called to worship every single day. That's what we're created for. So let me pray with you guys. We're going to show you a quick video, and then we're going to wrap things up. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your uh, personality. We thank you for your character. We thank you for the fact that you, you never leave us, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, whether we're widowed. Uh, it doesn't matter because you're what completes us. It's not another individual. And, and marriage is, is an incredible institution. And marriage is an incredible uh, covenant between you and that special someone in our lives. But without marriage, we're, we're still okay. We're still Christ followers. We're still, we're still whole. We're still complete with you. And we absolutely still have a mission. And so, Father, I pray for those who are married. I pray for those who are single, those who are single again. Father, I pray for those who are widowed, those who hope to be married someday that you would just identify in their life what their calling is for you and then make that crystal clear to them. Because, Father, what I know and what I've seen, what I've been a part of, what I see in your word is that when someone is driven, when someone has a mission and they are part of the, the kingdom of God, Father, you bring us together in unity in ways that, that we've never experienced before. And, Father, we know that your desire in our lives is to unify us, but we fight we fight that evil one. We fight Satan. We fight devil. And Father, we know that in the end, <laughs> the, the book is clear. We've already read the, the end. You win. That, that's not even a question. We, we thank you for the fact that, that you win and you save us. But Father, we also acknowledge that in the, in, in the meantime, there's battle raging. And so Father, I pray that you would protect us, protect our families, help us evaluate, help us to, to strengthen, and help us just be transparent that we can receive accountability. And Father, we pray that you would move mightily uh, with everyone who's listening right now and watching, that you would work through us ultimately to impact your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a great message from Pastor Tom Wilson. Hey, what a great series. I really enjoyed this Just Married series. Me being a freshly married young 24 year old i took a lot from this series and i hope you did too and if something really stood out to you this series we want to hear about it go to our website re.church and go to our prayer request tab and we'll pray alongside you and celebrate alongside you in your wins as well join us on thursday for our discussions episode where me and katie rose our ministry coordinator talk about tom's sermon today and also talk about our series just married and also our new series coming up called true worship that being said, you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Thursday. 